Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more. So it's really been helping me reach people that I can't go to their house and actually teach them a Bible study. So it's everything you need in the podcast in one place. The best of all, Anchor, and it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan and the fam. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. We are excited. How many of you guys got your family with you? Because we're about to go through the Bible. And I've got mine with me. I got my family. You guys got your family? I got my boys. All right. Well, before we get into this, guys, let's take a second and thank God for the amazing new recording equipment. Oh, thank you, Thank you, Jesus. He always gives us what we need. Yes, he does. Hopefully, this sounds a lot better for everybody at home. But let's start today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 17, guys. You ready? Ready. Verse number one. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, There will always be temptation to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. And if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. The apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. So you guys want more faith? Amen. This This is how we get it. The Lord answered, if you have faith even as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. When a servant comes in from plowing and taking care of the sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No, he says, prepare my meal. Put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he has told him to do? Of course not. In the same, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered the village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. And the man was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? Then Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Can you believe that? Jesus healed ten of them, and only one of them came back to worship Jesus. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? 
And Jesus replied, The kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, Here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. Then he said to his disciples, The time is coming when you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns, but you won't see it. People will tell you, Look, there is the Son of Man, or here he is, but don't go out and follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man comes. But first, the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. And the world will be as it is in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual, right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person out on the deck of the roof must not go down into the house and pack. A person out in the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. You guys remember what happened to Lot's wife? No. Remember when Lot left the city and he got in the angels said, don't look back? And Lot's oh, yeah. wife looked back and then what happened to her? She turned into stone. She turned into a pillar of salt. Salt? Yes, she turned into a pillar of salt. So we could eat around her? Why would we eat around her? Because she's salt? We would eat her. We could sprinkle her on our food, right? She could be the real <laughs> salt of the earth. A, we could dig a well, the point, shovel into it and put on eggs. Okay, well, listen. <laughs> Don't lose track. The point was, if God tells you not to look back at something, we better not look back, right? Right. Yeah. That's right. And it says... In verse 33, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. That night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Where will this happen, Lord? The disciples asked. And Jesus replied, just as the gathering of vultures shows that a carcass is nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Chapter 18 One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. That's important, guys. We should never give up when we're praying. There was a judge in a certain city. He said... He neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of the city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God and I don't care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. Then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from the unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. 
So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? So we got to keep our faith by keep asking God. That shows that we still believe in him. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you God that I am not like other people, cheaters and sinners and adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even to lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest with sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's good. One day, some parents brought their little children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they scolded the parents for bothering him. Then Jesus called for the children and said to the disciples, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus said. Jesus asked him, Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely and honor your mother and father. And the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, There is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. When Jesus saw this, he said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, Then who in the world can be saved? So who can be saved, guys? And Jesus replied, What is impossible for people? What, Saul? Yeah, because what is impossible for people is possible with God. So with God, all things are possible, right? Yep. Peter said, we've left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that anyone who has given up house or wife or brother or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life. 
and will have eternal life in the world to come. Taking the twelve disciples aside, Jesus said, Listen, we're going up to Jerusalem, where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. He will be handed over to the Romans, and he will be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit upon. They will flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. You guys believe he's going to rise again on the third day? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah we already read the back of the book, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> but they didn't understand any of this. The significance of his words was hidden from them, and they failed to grasp what he was talking about. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of the crowd going past, he asked, What is happening? And they told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. Then Jesus said, All right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see. And he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. That's awesome. Imagine if you couldn't see and then all of a sudden, Jesus touched your eyes and then you could see. Wouldn't you be like celebrating and worshiping God? Oh, yeah. That'd be like the best day of your life. Mm-hmm. Alright, guys, chapter 19 now. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. And he, he became very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed in a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. So you hear that, guys? He couldn't see, so he climbed up in a tree so he could see. When Jesus came by, he looked at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He is going to be the guest of that notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who were lost. The Parable of the Ten Servants The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said, and because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God might begin right away. He said, A noble man was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants 
and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, Invest this for me while I am gone. But his people hated him, and sent a delegation after him to say, We do not want him to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I trusted to you, so you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You will be governor over five cities. And the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I was a hard man and takes what isn't mine and harvest crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit the money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then turning to the other standing nearby, the king ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has ten pounds. But master, they said, he already has ten pounds. Yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they were given, even more will be given. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And as for these enemies of mine who don't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them right here in front of me. Wow. That's important. That's why we want Jesus to be the king of our lives, right? Yeah. Isn't that important? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We want him to heal us. We want him to take care of us. So he has to be the king over our life. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the town of Bethpage and Bethany, on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, Why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, The Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. 
And he replied, If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Wouldn't that be awesome, guys, if the stones started worshiping God? Because wow. even the earth worships God. That is so cool. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you, of all people, would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Then Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people selling animals for sacrifices. He said to them, The scriptures declare, My temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. After that, he taught daily in the temple, but the leading priests and teachers of religious law and other leaders of the people began planning how to kill him. But they could think of nothing because all the people hung on every word he said. Wow, so they were already starting to think about it now. They're like trying to find a way to kill him. Chapter 20. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people and preaching the good news in the temple, the leading priests and teachers of religious law and the elders came up to him. They demanded, By what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right? Let me ask you a question first, he replied. Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven, or was it merely human? They talked it over among themselves. If we say it's from heaven, he will ask why we didn't believe John. But if we say it was merely human, the people will stone us because they are convinced that John was a prophet. So they finally replied that they didn't know. And Jesus responded, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. Now Jesus turned to the people again and told them this story. A man planted a vineyard, leased it to a tenant farmers, and moved to another country to live for several years. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent one of his servants to collect his share of the crops. But the farmers attacked the servant and beat him up and sent him back empty-handed. So the owner sent another servant, but they also insulted him, beat him up, and sent him away empty-handed. The third man was sent. They wounded him and chased him away. What will I do? The owner asked himself. I know. I'll send my cherished son. Surely they will respect him. But when the tenant farmer saw his son, they said to each other, here comes the heir to the estate. Let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they drug him out of the vineyard and murdered him. What do you suppose the owner of the vineyard will do to them? What do you guys think? So what do you guys think he would do to somebody who treated him and his kids like that? Well, bring an army to them, you think? Yeah. Maybe he'd go do it back to them. 
That's yeah. it. I'm gonna go. I'll kill you and your family. Yeah, I would be upset. What do you think, Saul? Yeah. You'd be pretty mad about that, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Let's see what Jesus says. I'll tell you, he will come and kill those farmers and lease the vineyard to others. So that's wow. what Jesus says. If you don't do good with what Jesus gives you, he will come and take it away and give it to other people. Yep. How terrible that such a thing should ever happen, his listeners protested. Jesus looked at them and said, Then what does the scripture mean? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken into pieces, and it will crush anyone it falls on. The teachers of religious law and leading priests wanted to arrest Jesus immediately because they realized that he was telling the story against them. And they were the wicked farmers. But they were afraid of the people's reaction. So you hear that? They understood that Jesus was actually talking about the religious leaders, guys. They were all like... They were the ones that were running the vineyard wrong. Do you understand how that makes sense, guys? What is the vineyard? Who is the vineyard? The people, right? The people of God, yeah. People of God, they were running things wrong, doing things in the wrong way. Yeah, they weren't telling people what God really wanted the people to know. Jesus speaks in parables. That's why Jesus came to the earth, so that he could show them the right way. Right. So let's keep going here. Watching for their opportunity, the leaders sent spies pretending to be honest men. And they tried to get Jesus to say something that could be reported to the Roman governor so he would be arrested. Jesus, teacher, they said, we know that you speak and teach what is right and are not influenced by what others think. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And he saw right through their trickery and said, Show me a Roman coin, whose picture and title is stamped on it. Caesar's, they replied. Well then, he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. Mm -hmm. So they failed to trap him by what he said in front of the people. Instead, they were amazed by his answer, and they became silent. Then Jesus was approached by some Sadducees, religious leaders who say there is no resurrection of the dead. And they posted this question. Teacher, Moses gave us the law that if a man dies leaving a wife but no children, his brother should marry the widow and have a child who will carry on the brother's name. Well, suppose there were seven brothers. The oldest one married and then died without children. So the second one married the widow, and he also died. Then the third brother married her, and this continued with all seven of them who died without children. Finally, the woman also died. So tell us, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? For all seven were married to her. And Jesus replied, Marriage is for people here on earth. But in the age to come, those worthy of being raised from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And they will never die again. In this respect, they will be like angels. They are children of God and children of the resurrection. But now, as to whether the dead will be raised, 
Even Moses proved this when he wrote about the burning bush. Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, he referred to the Lord as the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. So he is the God of the living, not the dead, for they are all alive in him. That's awesome, guys. We are all alive in God. Amen. Well said, teacher, remarked some of the teachers of religious law who were standing there. And then no one dared to ask him any more questions. Then Jesus presented them with this question. Why is it that the Messiah is said to be the son of David? For David himself wrote in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Since David called the Messiah Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? Then, with the crowds listening, he turned to his disciples and said, Beware of the teachers of religious law, for they like to parade around in flowing robes and love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace, and how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head of the table at banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be severely punished. All right, ready for chapter 21? We are ready. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all of the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. So you understand that, Saul? That she gave two coins, but she gave more than oh, everybody. Because she, she gave all she had. Yeah, like if I have a dollar and I give you ninety cents, then I gave you ninety percent of what I have. But if I have a hundred dollars and I give you ninety cents, then I only gave you like point nine percent of what I had. I didn't even give you a full dollar. I didn't give you yeah. a percentage. I didn't, it didn't hurt me. It could have hurt her to give everything she had. She had faith. She gave it all. Right. You understand that? What? She She gave it to the church. Oh. She gave everything she had to God. All right, so let's keep going. Some of his disciples began talking about the majestic stonework of the temple and the memorial decorations on the walls. But Jesus said, The time is coming when all these things will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of the other. Do you know that when they burned the temple that Jesus was talking about, all the gold in the altar melted down underneath the stones so that they literally had to flip the stones over and dig the gold out of the ground? That's how, that's how serious Jesus' predictions are. When he says something, it comes true to the very point. Teacher, they ask, when will all this happen? What sign will show us that these things are about to take place? And he replied, Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and saying the time has come, but don't believe them. 
And when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. These things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately. Then he added, Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and there will be famines and plagues in many lands. And there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, there will be a time of great persecution. You will be dragged into the synagogues and prisons. And you will stand trial before kings and governors because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. So don't worry in advance about how to answer the charges against you. For I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. Even those closest to you, your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, will betray you. They will even kill some of you. And everyone will hate you because you are my followers. But not a hair on your head will perish. By standing firm, you will win your soul. And when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you will know that the time of its destruction has arrived. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. Those in Jerusalem must get out, and those out in the country should not return to the city. For those will be the days of God's vengeance. And the prophetic word of the scriptures will be fulfilled. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. For there will be disaster in the land and great anger against this people. They will be killed by the sword and sent away as captives to all the nations of the world. And Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the period of the Gentile comes to an end. And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and glory. So when all these things begin to happen... Stand and look up, for your salvation is near. Then he gave them this instruction. Notice the fig tree or any other tree. When the leaves come out, you know without being told that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things taking place, you can know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For the day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Every day Jesus went to the temple to teach, and each evening he returned to spend the night on the Mount of Olives. The crowds gathered at the temple early each morning to hear him. They gathered in the mornings to hear him, just like we gather in the mornings to do our Bible studies. Wow. 
All right, chapter 22, guys. The Festival of Unleavened Bread, which is also called the Passover, was approaching. The leading priests and teachers of religious law were plotting how to kill Jesus, but they were afraid of the people's reaction. Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples, and he went to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted and they promised to give him money. So he agreed and began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him when the crowds weren't around. Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb was sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. He replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. So they went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus has said. And they prepared the Passover meal there. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup of wine, gave thanks to God for it, and he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink it again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks for it, and he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table sitting among us as a friend is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die, but what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? Who's going to betray him, guys? Do you remember? The guy who betrayed him at six... What was his name? What's his name? Starts uh, with a J. Joshua? Judas. Judas. Josh, uh, Joshua and Jacob are good people. <laughs> Judas of a... Judas. Judas Iscariot. Iscariot. I didn't play Jacob. That sounds scary. The disciples began to ask each other which of them would ever do such a thing. Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. And Jesus told them, In the world the kings and the great men lorded over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be the servant. Who is more important? The one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. 
for I am among you as one who serves. You have stayed with me in my time of trial, and just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Then now Jesus is going to predict Peter's denial. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Then Jesus asked them, When I sent you out to preach the good news, and you didn't even have money, a traveler's bag, or an extra pair of sandals, did you need anything? No, they replied. But now, he said, take your money and a traveler's bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Do you guys have a sword? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, then you can keep your a clothes. Sword. You, you don't have to sell your clothes. You already have a sword. We have a sword, <laughs> nice, and bone knife. Oh. Yeah, Jesus told you you should have one. For the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was counted among the rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. Look, Lord, they replied, we have two swords among us. That is enough, he said. That's right, you should have two. Everyone should have two swords. I have two. <laughs> the Bible is the second. <laughs> yeah, I guess the word of the Lord is our sword, right? Right. My dad has more than two swords. Dad has like 50. Yeah. 50 at Then, let's move on. Verse 39. Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives where he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. You guys hear that? Mm -hmm. He was praying so hard that he was sweating blood. Wow. At last, he stood up again and returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray, so you will not give in to temptation. But even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached, led by Judas, one of the twelve disciples. Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Then the other disciples saw what was about to happen. They exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords. And one of them struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. But Jesus said, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. 
Then Jesus spoke to the leading priests and the captains of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him. Am I a, am I a dangerous revolutionary, he asked? That you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day, but this is your moment, the time when the power of darkness reigns. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit the fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. And Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, This man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, You must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. But about an hour later, someone else insisted. This must be one of them, because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're even talking about. He didn't say even. See, I'm adding words to the Bible. (laughs) And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. The guards in charge of Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and said, Prophesy to us, who hit you that time? And they hurled all sorts of terrible insults at him. At daybreak, all the elders of the people assembled, including the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law and Jesus was led before the high council and they said tell us are you the Messiah but he replied if I tell you you won't believe me and if I ask you a question you won't answer but from now on the son of man will be seated in a place of power at God's right hand and they all shouted so you are claiming to be the son of God and he replied You say that I am. Why do we need any other witnesses, they said. We ourselves heard him say it. Chapter 23. They're going to go on trial before Pilate. Then the entire council took Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor, and they began to state their case. This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming he is the Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replied, You have said it. Pilate turned to the leading priest and to the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. Then they became insistent, but he is causing riots by his teaching everywhere he goes, all over Judea from Galilee to Jerusalem. Oh, is he a Galilean? Pilate asked. Then they said that he was. So Pilate sent him to Herod Antipas because Galilee was under Herod's jurisdiction. And Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at that time. Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus because he had heard about him and had begun hoping for a long time to see him perform a miracle. He asked Jesus question after question, but Jesus refused to answer. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law stood there shouting their accusations. 
Then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. Finally, they put a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate, who had been enemies before, became friends that day. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious leaders along with the people. They announced his verdict. You brought this man to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. So I will have him flogged and then I will release him. So you see that? He didn't even want to kill him. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd. And with one voice they shouted, Kill him and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was in prison for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the governor and for murder. Pilate argued with them because he wanted to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he demanded, Why? What crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence this man to death. So I will have him flogged, and then I will release him. But the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified. And their voice prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. As they had requested, he released Barabbas, a man in prison for insurrection and murder, and they turned Jesus over to them to do as they wished. Isn't that crazy, guys? Wow. And as they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Serene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. That's because Jesus was so beat up from the whipping that he couldn't even carry his own cross. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless the wombs that have not borne a child, and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to the place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one at his right and one at his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes, throwing dice. The crowds watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above his head with these words, The king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? 
Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. And the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. By this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Listen to what all happened right when Jesus died. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. With those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshipped God and said, Surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance, watching. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph, He was a member of the Jewish high council, but he had not agreed with the decision and the actions of the other religious leaders. He was from a town of Arimathea in Judah, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body, and he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of a rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation, as the Sabbath was about to begin. As his body was taken away, the women of Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. Then they went home and prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun, so they rested as required by the law. All right, guys, last chapter, 24. Let's go. Yeah, this will be the end of the book of Luke. And this chapter is about the resurrection. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this, So they rushed back from the tomb to tell the other eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanne, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who had told the disciples what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw an empty linen wrapping. 
and he went home again wondering what had happened. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to a village in Aramis, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing so intensely as you walk along? They stopped short and sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Salopus, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. Isn't that funny? Jesus is like, what are you talking about? What happened? He knows what happened. He was crucified. They didn't recognize it was him. God kept it from him. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We all hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at the tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself by the time they were nearing Aramis and at the end of their journey Jesus acted as if he was going on but they begged him stay the night with us since it is getting late so he went into the home with them and they sat down to eat he took the bread and blessed it then he broke it and gave it to them and suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within an hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Aramis told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about this, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it is really me. Touch me and make sure that I am not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. And he spoke and showed them his hands and his feet. 
Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, When I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said, Yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and raise from the dead on the third day. It is also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as the Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him, and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. And that is the end of the book of Luke, guys. That was a good book. We finished that it. That was a good book. All right, let's say a little prayer. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Everybody pray with us. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for spending time with us in your word today, God. Help us to learn from what we have heard today, that we will plant it in our heart, God, that it will grow faith in our life, God, that we will grow to be more like you every day. And if we can spend time in your word and witnessing the people about you, God, that we can change the world around us. We thank you for everything you've given us. We thank you for everybody listening today. And we worship you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody, for joining in today. And we can't wait till the next time we can dig into the word again with you. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Peace.